Welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio. And this is another single episode film. Very special episode. Single film episode. No, single episode film. Yeah. This is a this is the first pivotal film presents movie. <laughs> that's that's where we're going next. We are recording recording an episode based upon a a film that was on my 2020 most anticipated list, Tom. It dropped it's off. Finally got here. My 2021. I thought it was going to come out 2020. It didn't. It dropped off my 2021 because you know I got a little less excited for it, but it released in 2021. And that was very exciting that it released in 2021 because in 2021, it released in exactly two theaters. The first being the IFC Center, which we went to Mm -hmm. in New York, and now it's playing at AMC until Wednesday, so it's already gone if you're a Chicago listener. It's playing at AMC? It's playing at AMC Riverside East or something like that. So probably like an artsy... It's a mix. It's just I think it's just a lot of screens at this theater because there's like... Three screens showing Spider Man. I think it's like a criteria, like a Criterion on crack. Basically. Oh, okay. Um, That's nice because they're playing like Tragedy of Macbeth as well, but they're also playing probably like two showings of Sing Two. Um, it's fascinating that those things would be playing together. <laughs> I hope they're next to each other. <laughs> a family accidentally walks Listen, into that's Sing a Two. Big problem. Imagine like. Um, Wait, hold on. Let me let me. About, the, come, uh, I just want to think about. I'm just. I'm thinking about Nick Kroll doing German pig voice, just bleeding in through the other theater next door. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe that sound dissonance could add to it. Maybe. And maybe that's the experience that this film wants because it is playing at one theater, one screen, one city per week, forever. It will be traveling on a long road show for with Clem forever. And that movie. Is Amoria. It's um it's it's like a rumble from the core of the earth. Bam. And and then then it shrinks. Probably 6,000 years old. Oh. Yes. Drilled into her head to release bad spirits. Memoria is directed by um, A. A Weira No, a peach topong Weira Really should have listened to YouTube beforehand. I was like, like trying to queue it up really quickly before we started. I just didn't have the time. It shows my lack of professionalism. You just have to practice it. And, and yeah. I'm not sure it's something that like I would recommend that everybody do is like walk around their house just being like a peach pong, we're ethical. So your kids are like, what are you saying? And eventually it stop, loses all meaning. <laughs> and maybe if you say it enough, you like Tilda Swinton are awoken early in the morning mm-hmm. by a loud bang. Boof. It sounds like uh, concrete hitting metal in seawater. Yeah. Is, is the roundabout way of which she describes it. Uh, she is a botanist in Bogota, Colombia, uh, visiting her sister uh, and her sister's husband. Um, her sister is ill in the hospital. Also, I realized later that when we see the, do- the, the little girl with her, that's, that's her sister's kid sorry your niece took me yeah it took me a second to get that oh, I don't a couple that. days um but she starts hearing this sound over and over and trying to investigate the uh source of that sound because it becomes a driving force in her and like most of this director's other films um shots linger for a long time mm-hmm. then we get long eight minute long shots or we get a lot of naturalistic style filmmaking uh, we'll divide this like we did last year uh, with our nine days review into a non-spoiler opinion, into a spoiler opinion, considering the fact that we usually don't care about spoilers, but most people in the world can't see this. Right, yeah, for yeah, yeah. Maybe possibly forever. 
Who knows? Yeah. Because it's one theater in the world at a time. And there's a lot of cities in the world. I looked that up recently. <laughs> there's a well, lot of cities. I would say to, to those people, take heart, I guess, that this film is distributed by Neon. And Neon frequently fucks up the distribution of films. Yeah, they'll accidentally so put they, it on Hulu exactly, at some point. Exactly. It might just it'll just show up next to like Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar one day. And you'll be like, what the fuck is Halfway this? Halfway through Barb and Star there'll be a loud bang and you know, just <laughs> lead into Memoria. Uh, but for my personal opinion, this is the first film that Tom and I ever set off onto a train. We talked about this excursion. In, the, in the past for an excursion out to New York. We talked about going to the Jacob Burns Theater to see movies before. Yep. I might do that sometime this weekend for a drive-by car. Um, and to see just a movie. We landed in New York during the midst of the holiday season. We walked 36 blocks to the IFC Center into a jam-packed theater during the middle of Omicron. Felt good. Yeah, felt awesome. And then after the movie was over, we walked 36 blocks, <laughs> got on the train, and came back to New Haven. That's how you do it. For you people. You pieces of well, shit. Be honest, how, but, the holiday season in New York is not like a super fun time to be there, especially no. like where you have to be. Like, you know, I guess we could have spent more time in Greenwich Village, but, you know, we, I had stuff to do. You had stuff to do. It was just I like did, one of these things. I did that, appreciate Gregory's coffee. That actually wasn't a bad cup of coffee for uh, chain coffee. And it's just in New York. Oh. They're all over the city. There's a bunch of them. I almost, there's... I almost suggested. I mean, I'm glad we didn't because we had to catch that train. Mm-hmm. But I almost suggested we stop to get the beans. I know we should have done. Yeah, that. I walked past and I was thinking about that. And I was like, eh, whatever. Um, so you know, maybe there was like a tense experience going in for mm-hmm. myself personally, mm-hmm. uh, because it was a lot of running around. We, we hoofed, left. We, we, we hoofed we, it hard. You know, I left here at eight. 9.20 in the morning, took an Uber to Union Station, retrained in, rehoofed it down for an, like 40 minutes to get to the theater, then came back. And so when I came into this movie, I was like a little tense, but like this film exploded <laughs> in that tension with me. Um, I, I don't know if it was the uh, discordant audio that's throughout mm. or kind of the lingering shots that he now uses to enhance this kind of alien man out of place feeling Mm -hmm. but um it was a profoundly uncomfortable experience until kind of you get that turn in the third act Mm -hmm. and then things became more naturalistic and while i was watching it i was having the worst time Mm. but i was having the worst time because of such what i felt was tight control over the screen, mm-hmm. tight control over what I was hearing. I fully understood as the film started. I was like, I get why this had to be played in theaters. Oh, yeah. Because I would be distracted if I saw it at home. Mm-hmm. I would not get the sound experience that is feels incredibly necessary. Um, <clears throat> it is 100% a needed theatrical experience. Mm-hmm. I will never see this movie again. Mm. It just maybe once maybe i'll give it one more shot yeah like like if it come when it comes to new haven i might or hartford or something i might throw a couple some shekels at it well not only that but just uh just because the outward experience of what we're doing wouldn't be so prevalent Mm. um you know, I would I would be more calm going into this. so maybe that would change kind of my viewing of it we would yeah we wouldn't have to leave four hours early yeah exactly (laughs) showing in hartford um, but once it was finished, I, I, I thought it was a masterclass in, in, in control of, of a film. Uh-huh. Um, whether or not that works for people, it's hard to say, but no thing I, nothing I saw on that screen and nothing I heard felt as though it wasn't intentional. Every extra that walks across the screen feels as though they were tightly blocked and told, like, you do this at this second. And for that, like, it, it works as this incredible art house um, experience. It, it, it does feel like something I should have watched at MoMA. Um, yeah, I, um, I agree with that completely. Even when some of the earlier... Um, some earlier shots in the movie don't seem very like artfully done or like that there's a lot of art going on. It's just, I mean, I'm thinking of um, Tilda Swinton and um, uh, the guy that plays, um, 
I guess her brother her brother in law. Yeah, one. Um the the poet. Yeah. Um there, We won't be doing too many spoilers. We'll do a spoiler just, thing. Yeah. This, this is just, just like yeah. first early first time um, stuff. They're but just, like there's they're like sitting the, at a table and they're just kind of in, they're rifling through papers and they're kind of going through some stuff. And it's there's not really any kind of sense that the camera wants you to look at anything specific. If you watch, if, you know, because you have you have an opportunity. One of the beautiful things about this movie is that you always have an opportunity to sit and look at the what's happening in the background. Yeah, um, because it, the it scenes demands are, you do it right, and the scenes are so long. It's a lot of um, a lot of like medium to long shots, so they're not like there's not a lot of close up, so you can get the whole frame of where they are and what they're doing and what's happening around them. And there's not unlike a lot of stuff that's happening that you would want to pay attention to, uh, or that you would need to pay attention to. Um, <clears throat> So it all feels very kind of some of those earlier shots feel very plain and very but purposefully so because they last so long and there's so li- like little going on and then and there's a little bit of um I don't know montage isn't the right word because the scenes are so long but he's not trying to marry these scenes the transitions he's not worried about the transitions flowing beautifully from one scene to the next so that you understand 100% where it is that you're going or what you're doing or anything like that he's he's not worried about any of that stuff um so it definitely does feel like which is why I kind of I pushed back I guess a little bit about the idea that it would play at an AMC because it definitely seems to demand the quiet that like this film going audience gave it i mean i was easily the quietest audience i've ever yeah best audience seen a movie. best audience best packed audience i've ever seen and i think the packed audience i think is necessary too like i don't think i would want to see this movie by myself because if i had the opportunity to whip my phone out and look and see what time it is and like how long did the scene go on and like oh i have a text message like if i was alone i probably would have done that i probably would have had a breakdown <laughs> you think so but you could have just left it at any, at any moment. It's true. So you could have just... It would have been a walkout. Yeah. And that's, we talked about that one, like, right when we left. Is, like, you know, if I was watching that at my house, I probably would have done... It would have taken me, like, six hours to watch that well, movie. Well, immediately, I, I, I walked... I did go to the restroom, but, like, used, like, a couple minutes just to, like, recollect myself. Right. Um, so it does... It, it's a movie that benefits from that... From, that benefited from the experience um, completely. Uh, and I agree with you. Um, well, you but, mentioned the early shots. I remember you said on our walk back, like that, that opening shot where she kind of like lifts herself up from bed, the yeah, bed, yeah, and yeah. you're kind of like trying to fit. And I kind of think that's kind of like an introduction to like how you know there's going to be control in this film. Mm-hmm. When she lifts up from the bed, you don't really know her positioning or exactly where she is in the mm-hmm. bed. It's kind of disjointed from where you expect her to come from. But it's, it's like slightly off. But it's also not like it's. I think one of the the really interesting things about this movie is that this, so, you know, it's just especially because Uncle Boonie was like vi- really visually interesting, um, and that's the only other movie of his that I've seen. Um, this movie is not so visual, like like um, outside of nice obviously few shots, visually yeah. interesting, and those few shots don't really last that long. Mm. Um, yeah, they're the shortest, like like maybe a minute. Right, um, and then there's not a lot going on, and those kind of you know there's that's the thing. This is another one of those movies that you and me can kind of discuss like frame by frame if we wanted to, and I think this would just be like a two hour. Po- this would be a podcast that's as long as the movie. We just kind of dissect like but what does have, this mean in here? We have to like here? rewatch it, right? Yeah, we well, don't have the ability to. Well, but some of these things, like I think one of the reasons that this movie, I feel I feel very close to this movie. Um, it worked. It it really I didn't understand how it was working like through the first half of the movie. But I knew it was working because I was just, I was like in it. And I think part of the thing that you were feeling, which I sat in, which you probably correctly got up and like moved around. is like, I did feel like compressed. Like I felt like really hemmed in and like hyper focused, but like to a point where like, I don't know what I'm focusing on. I don't even know if I want to be here anymore. Like, I don't know if I want to be in this scene anymore, but I can't get out of the scene. Well, we, I don't know how both, to get out of the we scene. We both mentioned this weird sense that we were locked in the theater. Yeah, but you're locked in... You're locked in the theater. You're locked in with the film, and you don't... Because there's no, like... Not a lot of score here. Maybe there's... Is there, is there any score? Is there all natural sounds, and then the, a lot the of sound effects? Di- 
energetic sound, but um, is there? I don't, I can't remember. There's the jazz Which I'm sure band. Is, I'm sure it's part of the point. Of Maybe it, is yeah. like remembering it. But there's no like because the scenes are so long. There's no end, but the scenes are so long. But there's also some like um, uh, nascent music, like natural yeah. music coming from like um, there's. I think it's all dancing. Di- it was a diegetic sound, like sound that comes from oh, the scene. Yeah, yeah. I think it oh, is. Oh yeah, what's that. the term? There's a term. I don't know. I think it's. Di- it's. I mean, I can read it. I just can't say it. Um, I can't speak words. <laughs> there's um, so, but so there's there is this kind of there's like a nascent rhythm to some of the things that are happening, but like the film itself, which you're seeing on the screen, doesn't adhere to that rhythm per se. But you. So you you you're being kind of dragged along here. You so know you what mean, I mean? It's not. Are you, are you saying like there's there's a life that is going on, a world that is going on in one direction, but the film is kind of taking you slightly off that direction? Is that what? I think so. Mean? I think so. I mean, uh, the, which I would agree. The sensation but. of being dragged, I think, is is uh, like against your will, kind of. Um, I think is 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 a good one. Or the yeah the fil- life is going on but the in one direction but the film's going in another direction is good because like there's scenes that happen and they go on for a long time or someone will read a poem that great scene where like Tilda Swinton like tells this woman that she's with um, they're on an archaeological uh, anthropological dig or an archaeological dig and uh, she goes to visit her and, and they're sitting they're you know eating dinner at night and they're sitting in this plaza and um, she's like I wrote a poem and. Uh, it's maybe three verses. Right. And she reads them really slowly. And then the friend goes, the friend like asks if there's anything else. She's like, nope, that's it. And then like, but I think it's, it's almost like she's like the viewer avatar because you just keep expecting there to, that, to have some kind of like tag or to have some kind of meaning or to like something Absolutely. brought to you to tell you like, this is why this was necessary. And it never does. But then the, scene transitions into something completely different and you're just like what like where am i where am i going what am i doing but there is a kind of for all of its uncomfortable uh uncomfortability or whatever whatever the word is discomfort discomfortingness i don't know like it's in the process yeah. of making you uncomfortable um there is a lot of pleasure i found a lot of pleasure in like that kind of full bodied like film going experience because it's especially just coming from stuff that's like supposed to feel that way. Um, like West side story, um, you know, where Steven Spielberg made a movie that's supposed to be, you know, supposed to bring you into this big world and they're showing you big things and lots of activity. And, and it like was just pushing me out of it the whole time because of all that, like phoniness, like avatar. Sure, exactly. I mean, Avatar is like the worst example of that, where it's just like he just wants you to look at how cool something is, and like but it I has think he no... wanted you to be in that world. Sure, but you're not because it looks like a it looks like shit. Um, and we'll <laughs> that's talk, a hot take. And we'll talk, we'll about, talk about that at the end of the year, I guess. <laughs> well, we'll talk about oh Avatar. I'm gonna have to review too. I will not be seeing Avatar. We too. have to. That's something we we have to see. Absolutely, not. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, okay, I saw Avatar one against my will. It was I did awful. I, yeah, okay. awful experience. Um, tree, tree. But yeah, it, 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 I guess just to round it out. It's a, it's a, it's a experience, and I think it's because of all the stuff. It's an experience that I don't think is going to leave me, um, anytime soon. Um. But yeah, so do you want to do? Do you? Do you want to? I think, into... I think we, we yeah transition now. All right, so spoilers. we're gonna spoil some stuff. Um, so if you don't, I'm gonna play the. I'm gonna sound the alarm. So if you don't want to hear any of this, and just you should just not listen to the rest of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, maybe you'll get to see this in three years. Hopefully. Unless you live in like LA, then you'll see it probably like now. Yeah, but maybe it does like a California run and plays like four houses and you know. I don't think so. I think it goes from like. I think it goes maybe to like then to Seattle, and then I think maybe then it leaves the country. No, then it goes to Texas. Well, probably Texas, then maybe Miami, then leaves the country. Where in Texas? Dallas. They'll play Austin. They'll play Alamo. Alamo uh, Draft House. Ga- for sure. It'll play Galveston. El Paso. Yeah, then that hurricane from <laughs> 1900 will come again. It'll play an outdoor. Ooh. Imagine seeing this movie during a hurricane. That'd be the an appropriate way to see it. Yeah, because you'll be being crushed in your house. While you're being crushed in your mind. 
There you go. Perfect. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! You have been warned! Alright, so did you want to start? I mean, I'd rather not start. Let's let it happen naturally. Um, I guess now I can just talk about kind of the scenes that that really hit me. Mm -hmm. And I guess the big thing that hits me is... And that that rose by anxiety throughout this film is how it feels like everyone despises Jessica in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, We get that scene opening where Karen, her sister, you know, not opening scene, but early scene where Karen, her sister, kind of wakes up. She's Uh sick with some illness. Um, We don't know what, but her eyes kind of like flutter open and she just like hides her face from Jessica. Mm -hmm. Um and you know Jessica's Tilda Swinton. Jessica's Tilda Swinton. Um, later we have you know when she talks to her friend, like we said, the poem verses, um, and kind of just generally besides um, Hernan, like besides Hernan has both younger and older Hernan. Mm-hmm. It seems as though everyone treats her as this like artifice, right? Like even Juan always talking about her says like you're my muse for a poem, and just kind of like reads this long kind of arduous. I, I, I kind of got the sense of, like, this poem sh- fucking sucks uh, when he reads it to her um, at the... Oh, the fungus? One of the yeah, fungus? Yeah. I thought it was a good poem. I think he was just... It was uh, extemporaneous, wasn't it? I thought he just kind of made it up. Well, I thought he had kind of, like, come up... Oh, maybe. And then he was, she was, like, another one for your but book. there was this... There was this, this, this treatment that she was less than or different than, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then when she... You know, when she's kind of sitting in kind of like one of the many absurdist scenes of this film, she's sitting at the seat of chairs that's blocking the entrance to an active classroom. Right, yeah. And yeah. Uh, she's presented with the girl who died thousands of years earlier during this archaeological dig. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of curious about it. There's a hole in the head and the woman says, like, feel it. She mm-hmm. doesn't ask her. She says, feel it. And for me, that rose, that like, there's it's smart in the way that there's such a tight, this is what I wasn't expecting from this film. There's a tight control in its sound. There's a tight control in its visuals. But I didn't expect like a tight control in its screenplay in that way. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't find like, – having seen Uncle Bomi, um, I didn't see him as like a great storyteller or a great mm-hmm. kind of like writer or having a control kind of like on rising – the rising emotion that he wants to elicit. Like obviously the story here is fairly dis- – jointed in the sense of telling a compelling three-act narrative but it invoked that kind of sense because like i said all i feel throughout this movie until its final scenes is like the sense of anxiety and the script does this really incredible job of that for me Mm -hmm. in the sense that like you're left wondering and you kind of get the answer later on why is everyone treating her like she's not a person Well, I so I've been thinking about that a lot because we talked about that a bunch on walking back to the train. The long um, walk. I kind of get. We the, walked over three miles per hour the entire time, so we would not be shot. We did good. <laughs> so we would not be shot <laughs> to avoid bullets. No, as it a Richard Bach. I said the long walk. And the oh, joke, yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't see that one. <laughs> um, is that a problem on? Is that a problem in Greenwich Village? <laughs> um, not walking fast enough, you die. Um, maybe it is. We shouldn't joke about it. Um, so there was another movie that we're going to talk about later today that I will put up on Saturday if I can remember to put it up because I've been really bad about that. Um, where uh, a character's perception of the world around them seems to possibly be different from like the reality of what's happening, but we are only ever given their don't look up. Yeah, don't look up. Maybe, yeah. Why not? Why not? Um, come on, come on. We are only ever given their their perception, and that's um, that's all we get. And I think this is, I think something like that might be going on here as well. We are never without Jessica. Um, most of the time, we're some of the time we're seeing stuff through Jessica's eyes. There are a couple of moments that seem to be observing her. Um. Like that one time where she's like walking in, she's in like a building and there's some kind of 
glassed enclosure with like a grassy area and there's like the sun coming in it's like the one part it's like the one moment that's got that kind of um like severely explicitly artistic quality to it um and she's just like walking through and like on her phone and not even really kind of noticing um and i I think it's it's not an accident that's that's kind of um the clip or the the frame that they show they show one of those frames in as like a pseudo poster or like in ads or like a um a still of the of the film because it looks like when you see that it i looks, think that was the first still that was released it looks very evocative you're like yeah. what is this what's happening and then when you watch it and they get to that you're like oh it's nothing um except well, for the fact that it's something but it doesn't like in as it's going on you're like oh what is this and then she just walks through the scene on her phone and then that's and that's the end of it um I think some of the things that, and you know, as you get to the end of the movie and you find out why um, she is the way she is, some of that that hostility towards her might be her perception of like what this person is saying to her, or like how this person is communicating with her. So that anthropologists might not be, um, or the archaeologists might not be being openly hostile to her, but she perceives it as. Oh, absolutely. Like, stick your finger, put your finger in here. Like, I, like took, I took all this as, like, personalized anxiety, and, and I, I agree completely yeah. with that. Like, that, that, what she is perceiving is not necessarily what is actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to that end, though, that, I think that, yeah, so the anxiety-producing thing is that, like, it, um, that feeling never lifts and it only becomes like more intense even as she progresses through the story and meets like an older version of a character that we've met earlier in the movie. So Ernan, you know, is a kid and he's like helps her with that works in a music studio and he helps her find the sound. And then later in the movie, we meet him next to a, a stream cleaning some fish uh, with some, kind of alcohol alcoholic drink just talking about memory and and how he doesn't watch tv and which is intriguing because he says he's never left you know that town but we see a younger version of him and well so this is one of the interesting aspects. something that kind of like evaded my understanding of what the point was mm. this is one of the things though that i i wonder if so there's, I think one of the interesting things about this, so as, we may have mentioned it, did we mention it? So at the end of the movie, there's, they, they say some very evocative things in their conversation, old Arnon and, and, and uh, Jessica by the side of this river. And he says, like, uh, our kind never, she's like, I don't sleep. She's like, our kind never sleep. She asked him to demonstrate sleeping for her. And so he lays in the grass and dies for... Five minutes, you know, in real time. Just yeah, we is, get some CGI flies on him. I can maybe, I guess. I, I thought those were CGI flies. Like that really um, made me uncomfortable. And then he wakes up, and but he, you know, inactively says that like she's like, "How does that feel?" And he's like, "What?" And she says, "Death." So he he actually died. He looks like he died, but we get confirmation that he is dead. Um, I just stopped. Uh, yeah, and. And then he turns over into the fetal position. That was great because I didn't see. And that's one of the pleasures of this movie is that like things that you don't see coming are really easy, are really like um, seemingly innocuous things, like just how he turned how he turned over at the end of that scene. But as you're saying, like, whoa, how was his kind able to fall asleep and die and come back to life? Oh, but what? So I I wonder if. There is contained within this, and I, I'm not suggesting anybody do this, so, you know, all of our Reddit followers, uh, take it easy. Um, like, the, the kind of infrastructure of these people. Is Ernan something, a being who is meant to stay put? Or is meant to kind of be... Um, um, to not watch TV, I guess, and to just kind of absorb information, and then she literally is a transmitter. So he or, says that he's a hard disk they're, and they're, she's an antenna. They're aliens. We haven't mentioned. This. Oh, we didn't mention that. No, they're we aliens. haven't mentioned that they're aliens. They're aliens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, so they're like, what's their being? Yeah. So I was trying to lead you um, to it. And so I want. So there's like this. There's all this background stuff that gets suggested. Not like part of me 
wants to think about it. And I, I felt this with Nine Days too, more so going um, looking for like symbolism and metaphor. But in this one, it was just kind of like narrative stuff. Like I want to put some of this to part of my instinct or our film going instinct for movies that are not this movie is to put this shit together. Is to find like narrative flaws and be like, why are they here? Why are they doing this? Blah 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 blah. In this case, it doesn't really matter. But I think that I think the not knowing leads to that that just incredible scene where they're just both sitting at a table and like he's she is like transmitting. She's getting some kind of transmission of sound. These memories, this stuff. And they're just, it's just sound, just coming like waves over you while you're sitting in the theater. And she's just taking it in as well. And then again, it's one of those beautiful things where like the scene going somewhere is literally just changing the perspective of the camera. So the camera has both of them in the shot from the side. And then it's like that for like three or four minutes or maybe even longer. And then it switches and it's just her. And the camera's just sitting there. It's not swooping around. It's not zooming in. It's not doing anything crazy. It's just sitting there on Tilda Swinton's face while she just absorbs sounds. And that's enough. That's enough to feel like... That experience. Kind of and, have and his that, experiences. Right. To just have that kind of like... Um, that like a thrilling it's like it's it's version of like an action movie set piece is just well, changing just, the camera it's just it's a, this we won't look for narrative flaws in this art it it, it it is a mistake to look for like narrative yes. structural flaws because it's more at least for me a sensory experience absolutely it is an experience by which you're kind of bombarded um you know with sound with the visuals with those moments of discomfort with its blocking with um even it's kind of like narrative turns with how people interact with her my narrative turns, I mean, like, very loose narrative turns. And those are supposed to mean, you know, however you take that in. For me, it was, like, this discomfort and this kind of anxiety. And, like, existential anxiety plays throughout this. But I do think some other people's sensory experience might be different. Do you think so? Like, what? Like, peace? Because I kept wanting to find peace in here. I think... I, thought, I, thought, I don't know, because like, it the kind nature of, of it that way, right? Like, cause are you calm at the last, like, three, four shots? Like, once the ship takes off. The sonic boom that we've been hearing is the ship trying to, like, take off from the ground. Yeah. Um, so when the ship takes off and you get those kind of like lingering shots still with the radio playing in the background of the anthropo- the, the archaeological dig, mm-hmm. um, did you kind of feel then a sense of calm? No, I felt the opposite. Oh, see, I felt calm then. See, because I felt the, like, the world was, it was like post-storm. It was like well, a post-storm you get storm world. sounds. Right. Too. And the sky looks... Vaguely stormy, like when the when the anthropologist is sitting, anthrop- archaeologist is sitting in that office, They're basically whatever the same it is, apologist, a blank apologist, um, ologist, a blank, oh, shut up, Tom, um, is sitting in that office. The screen is very green. It's got like this green blue like haze to it, mm. like there's gonna be a or tornado or like a hurricane is is just passed or is coming or something. Everything seems finally paid the twenty bucks to the bully. Yeah. Everything's just a dream. It's a serious man. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a good movie. Um, everything looks very wet. Um, Ernan, we go back to Ernan. He's like shaking his head, and like some like he's just trying to get something out of it, like something that's cha- like just happened. So it's another one of those things where you're you're trying a little bit to make sense of or to process the event that just took place, and I think. That shot of that spaceship rising out of the jungle, sonic boom and going off into the you know into the distance there, which they did a good job on. The scale always worked. I was kept my eye on it because I was gonna I was gonna. It's one of those things where like if you're gonna do that, you have to do it right. If the payoff of your movie is like alien craft, just like appears out of nowhere and like just coasts yeah, off into we, the distance after like seeing how he controlled. Five guys standing or walking in front of a market with a you know a coyote following them. Did right. we really think he was going to fuck that up? No, but you just have to you just have to do it. You have yeah. to do it right. If you're because there he didn't add. There's no there's no special effects See, like that in any other point. What I find maybe those flies. I still think those flies are CGI. But it's not an alien. <laughs> it's an alien. It'd be funny How if many one of those... CGI flies are there in movies? It'd be funny if one of those flies probably. And what's jillions. weird is is maybe this. Um, speaks to like our experiences with stuff is is the fact like once 
there was something to point to in her life. Like once she found like this, once it coalesced around the thing that was kind of like driving her need and the sound, mm-hmm. you know, the sound was, was yeah. prevalent throughout it. Once that was resolved, I felt calm hmm. because I was like, oh, okay, now I can, I can logically wrap my hand around this thing and now I can experience the rest of it with a sense of, of resolution. See, and I thought of it more as like, it's, it's, Which I think is the intent. it's just another, well, I don't No, I think the intent is like a different experience. Like oh. the intent's like each person coming away with it with a different experience to some extent. Um, well, sure. That's, I mean, that's the intent of, that's the intent of everything. But yeah, I just kind of, I kind of took it as like, it's another, another shit on my point. Fuck your point. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's not, I think it's different. Filmmaking, I think is different because I've been looking, reading a lot of stuff about like visual art. And I think in a lot of visual art stuff, there's like one way to take it and how you feel is really kind of meaningless because it's just a piece of art like on a wall. So everyone's, sensory experience is really going to kind of be like the same but in this um because your attention people's attentions different people are bringing different experiences you're sitting with it for like much longer and with like the actual like um with all the sensory stuff built on top of the like you know or this that's scaffolding up until the ending um yeah it can only be it can only be like totally different. Um, I just I wonder if there's anyone that comes out of this movie and like actively hates it. We didn't hear that coming out of the theater. Someone was just like, yeah. no I one mean, was just like fuck. That. I've read a lot of like Reddit people who just like it was boring. I hate it. But I don't want to discredit that. Um, but I, I'm interested to see. But, but I'm interested in this fact. Like, what was happening visually on the screen I was paying attention to, but mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily tuned into. Mm. Like, from a sound perspective, that's what was inherently important to me. Like, the sound, and it, it feels, and I'm not even sure if that's, this is true, but it feels as though you're getting sounds from the wrong places at mm-hmm. times. Um, it know, moves around. It moves around, but it, it feels disconnected from what you're seeing on the screen mm-hmm. or it feels disconnected from where you expect sound to be there's a there is a real tight versus other films a real tight focus on localized sound mm-hmm. in terms oh, yeah. of like sound coming from one speaker in one particular direction and mm-hmm. then and more so than you i would see in most other movies i think most other movies kind of use that kind of like dolby aspect as a you know, an ace up the sleeve for a couple scenes, but this film demands it everywhere. Like sound is coming from. Well, I think to that point, it makes you feel like it makes you feel like the screen somehow has like four Wrapped walls. Yeah. Um, and I think the openness of a lot of these shots, the lack of close-ups, definitely accentuates that feeling. Um, but I, I, it's, it'd be interesting because I'm sure some people are going to see this for the visual experience and the visual experience is there. I, I can intellectually realize that. Yeah. But I didn't like, it was secondary to what was happening from an auditory. Well, point. it's there for, I think intellectual is the key is the key word because it's, I don't think it is there from like an art house cinema perspective. Like this movie is not going to blow. It's not going to blow your socks off with. It's like, with its visuals, you know what I mean. It's not. Yeah, there's it's some, not. Br- it's not bringing like some, the crazy visual heat here. It's there's just, some interesting visual choices. Like we talked about, like I talked about walking back. There's that scene, the the kind of like focus scene where she looks into that little courtyard mm-hmm. and like the kind of discoloration is similar um, to kind of like the the arc of the sound. Uh, whatever that is, the base of the sound that we see earlier on the computer screen. So there's some visual choices being made. Right. Well, I'm just I'm like I'm looking at um, Sayambu Mukdeeprom's um, the the um, uh, cinematographer. Cinematographer. Um, you know, so Uncle Boonmi has some stuff. Um, Call me by your name has is like visually like arresting. Um, Suspiria has motherfucking set pieces. You know what I mean? That only work. Then he got fired by Luca. Visually. Oh, he did? Well, he's not. 
spoilers for the next for the uh, spoilers for the anticipated list. Oh, he's not doing that. He's not doing the. Oh, I mean, which whatever. But like, that guy can shoot stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Suspiria is completely a visual experience. Right. Um, and like I said, so like Suspiria is like so fucking all over the place that if it didn't wasn't the visuals weren't like, you know. Um, if the sensory experience wasn't just like first rate, it wouldn't have worked as a thing. This movie does not have, except for a couple of a couple of moments, doesn't really have very much of that stuff that you can that you can um, say from seeing as like a minute of a scene, or if a scene lasted a minute, like that'd be a bad scene. But when the scenes last eight minutes, nine minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, like that last scene. That last sequence, like when she's on the river, um, or on like on the stream and like listening Lately to the sound down towards the creek, yeah. To like when the craft takes off is I'm gonna call that a sequence because it's it's only like seven or eight shots total. Um, how long is that scene? Thirty minutes. Feels like forever, but also like five That's- minutes. It's kind of it's condensed and expands. It's probably like yeah, it's like it's like a thirty minute sequence, but it feels condensed. Yeah, but like the camera for most of that stuff is very stationary. And but what I what I say from a visual experience, I don't necessarily mean from like this what is actually happening from the movement of the camera, but what is happening from how he is staging everything. How I mean, not to meme it, but how he's blocking everything because uh-huh. it feels like more so than other movies, it feels as though instead of saying like, "Hey, react this way." to extras or whatever that are on screen. He's like, you are going to step this way and this way and this way at this exact moment. Mm-hmm. And this exact thing's going to happen. And at this second, you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. It, it, There's a real choreography to the shots. Oh, um, yeah. And you mentioned Ozu before, too, when we were walking home. And I think the, the interesting thing about the Ozu is that um, Ozu tends to set things forward and then he fills the frame um, like purposefully. As I think about this movie, um, uh, We Are Sethical seems to set everything back. Everything yes. seems like real, like a diorama. You know what I mean? Like pushed back into the center of not or like the sort of center of each of these frames. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, and so, but that's what I mean by the difference between. And I think that's what you're. Ta- that's where the intellectual stuff comes from. Is being having an open enough. Um, uh, sensory perception or an open enough intellectual perception to let those really seemingly small or so small that you don't even notice them choices but that are huge do their work like you have to be open to this movie to let it do its work yeah because there's that sequence where it's it's a it's a minor it's probably one of the shortest shots maybe like a minute or two mm-hmm. where the, they're dancing kind of on the road courtyard area yeah 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 like the way that those people are moving kind of gives you the sense something's going to happen. And earlier on, that's kind of like, it's early on paid off with like the the bus that kind of like backfires mm-hmm. and the guy drops. Yep. So you get something. Very early on, you get something. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't like he's not being chased down by somebody. He's not shot. You, you kind of expect him as he's running to get shot. Right. Um, but it's paid off like something happens because of something else, right? right? Like, like narratively or the history of film or whatever you expect from sound and something happening on screen is kind of paid off. And then that continually happens, especially during like its first act where you constantly see, you know, that dance sequence or um, for me, the most kind of, I'm not even like a claustrophobic guy, but like when those people kind of like walk into the tunnel it's this is from like a long shot mm. but it's like a tall it's like a tall shot yep. it's a long shot in the sense of it's very tall but very tight mm. um in terms of constricting you from the sides mm-hmm. um you always expect something else to happen and it sure. never happens but you're always kind of like brought to the precipice of the cliff mm-hmm. and she looks over that cliff yeah you know like there, there's there's minor weird things happening. The soldiers for an ordinate amount of time and an ordinate amount of distance giving the thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Um, that is off putting and absurd and kind of weird. Um, but then right but after, it always, oh. but it always is, it's always kind of like weirdly building to something. But it's never 
nothing happens. Right, and that's uh, we talked about it on the way home like that. Right after the the thumbs up, the the camera for some reason goes into the car with her, and and it's above the window line. So she, the way that the car yeah, is that, bouncing, it, it almost like upper chest level. It almost seems like she's flying somehow. Like the car seems to be bouncing slowly, and you don't see the ground behind her, and you don't see any trees. It's 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 um, it's if you're open to it, it is coupled with like the absurdity. It's it has this not like magical realism, but there is uh, like this slight the fantastical yeah. element, but that doesn't exist. But that feels like it is totally exists. But that's uh, it's also a matter of perspective because, like you mentioned on the walk back, like that feels like flying. And for me, I felt the anxiety and fear of being pushed against the cliff, and realizing if your car, like as she keeps looking over, like oh yeah, I do that because like if my car veers or a tire blows out and I go over that cliff, I'm I'm a goner. Mm. And that follows like a really claustrophobic scene with. Um, the, the tunnel, mm-hmm. like it's it's they're very close together. So you go from like claustrophobia to not was it acrophobia, agoraphobia, not agoraphobia, fear of heights. Um, oh. for me at least, uh-huh. and that's why I say like there's it's it's interesting that this film can juxtapose or not even juxtapose, but it's throwing so many, it's throwing these really minor things at you, these mm-hmm. things that don't feel like anything, mm-hmm. but because of the way each scene is structured, because of the way it flows. Um, and you you mentioned earlier you feel like some of these things are disjointed, but I, I feel like those two scenes kind of really work well together, and they kind of lead them into kind of your their last act because it for me built like that tension of like I'm not really claustrophobic, but it felt claustrophobic mm-hmm. to like I am afraid of height. I worse when I was younger, and like that really elicited that emotion. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get anything fantastical. I just felt uncomfortable right. and trapped and afraid. And it'll lend into last act, which immediately kind of like dwells into death, mm-hmm. which is kind of like another fear of mine. And so like it really kind of, it felt more like a, uh, you know, a hierarchy of fears from, <laughs> you know, sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and I, I feel there's an intentionality behind that. I, Fuck yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is, because the things that are happening are both fantastical and interesting and not necessarily fun, but like have this kind of magical quality not magical realism magical quality to, to them that you could see but I didn't see that at all I just felt the anxiety well of when all I those say sequences. And, and I think part of the anxiety uh, too um, and the, maybe not the fantastical elements but definitely um, it's it's enough to put you off this it's enough to put into your mind the sensation that like um, everything isn't like we're not dealing in like a hyper reality here. And and so that's what I talk about disjointed. I mean, and when I was talking about like the transitions, so there's when Jessica first goes to the recording studio, we see it just from the recording booth. She like goes into some kind of building and she's, we don't see her do that. She just, the recording booth is, we just see her enter the recording studio, like just yeah, the control watching, room. watching him from the back of the show. Right. right. And so we're behind Ernan and we see her out the window of like the studio she knocks on the door, she comes in, she's in the studio. The second time she goes to the studio, we see it from a completely different perspective. It's like the entryway into the studio. We've never seen it before. We have no idea where. The viewer has no idea where she is. And then she asks for Ernan, and they're like, we've never had no one named Ernan works here. There's no one here that fits that description. So you're kind of like, well, what the hell is going on? Like narratively, but it's they. he does that stuff all, he does that stuff throughout the movie where he'll show you roughly the same thing, but he'll show it to you from a completely different perspective or in a different way so you won't feel like you're in the same place. Like the town where like the film ends, you know, it ends in one place. There's the night scene in the plaza. There's a scene when she goes to the doctor's. And they just show, like, the outside of buildings. And you're just like, is she in one of those buildings? And then they show her inside the doctor's office. And the doctor, you know, it's a great, it's a very funny scene. This yeah. movie's pretty funny. Um, but you have no idea where she is in space. And I think that's from a perspective standpoint. It's because, in reality, she doesn't really know where she, where is, she is in space. space. But it's very, it's dis- it's discomforting. It's a very fluid feeling. If you're, if you're like... Um, if you're up for it, 
But again, I think this movie is very easy, in if not seen in the right context, would be very easy to resist. Oh, absolutely. I think you have to let this movie kind of like throw. It's gonna sound stupid, but like flow through you. You have to be willing yes. to like just accept it. Yep. Like I was resistant at first, and going like, ah, I'm not gonna do this, but I kind of like forced myself to do it, and I had to even take a step away from it for like six minutes. But coming back, I was just like, okay, fine, I can do this. I know I'm an hour in. And if you do that, you'll find kind of the beauty in it. But I think it's it's really easy to see this. And I think it's really justified to kind of see this and be like, no, not for me. Yep. And I don't think it's like a, a criticism of the viewer to do that. Because I think it's... No. But I, I will, think this is a movie that, that can do that. I will and, say, and this is, not, um, this is not a criticism of this film, but there's a movie called um, Days... That is directed by uh, uh, Ming Lang Tsai. It is um, Thailand or Chinese. Um, well, he's, he's the Thai director. Uh, we're, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, um, we're, Chitabong, we're Sethical. Yeah. Um, he, um, the movie kind of functions in the same way that, so it came out this, came out, last year like for festivals but it got released in America this year um, and getting some you know uh, some very like underground indie film press you, you saw this one? yeah because it's on it's on um, Amazon it was on somebody's list of something um, it was on the cover of an issue of CinemaScope that I got and I, obviously it wasn't available for a normal person to see but if it was on for CinemaScope they put it on the, they put it on the fucking cover yeah. so when I saw that it was out I was like hey it's that movie it's on the cover of that magazine I got eight months ago. <laughs> um, but it works. It functions in roughly the same way. Long shots, you know, situational things. Like, you you know, you follow a person just like, you know, making some food. People laying down in bed. People sitting around. And it's a, it's a fine movie that, that like, seems to be representative of something. Uh, like a very specific, um, not genre, but style of independent filmmaking and it operates on that level in a very good normal way this movie when you watch this movie um there's something else going on and that's where you said like at the very beginning of this thing it's like a master class in control every tiny little dumb choice in this movie is 100% not dumb it's dumb in another movie it's dumb in this movie it's it's all it's all part of this just this thing this like sonic boom inside of yourself that like this director kind of wants you to experience when that final boom hits you kind of i think he kind of wants you to feel that inside too and whether or not that makes you like more um anxious or want to ask more questions or it like releases it's it's doing something when it finally goes and it goes you're just kind of like like that's days is a fine movie but it doesn't have that doesn't have that quality to it it doesn't have that tension build and it also doesn't have that um that release to it um and it's it well i think something like come and see is a little bit like this too where there's like a couple of really disturbing set pieces but then a lot of the movie is just like walking around in a forest like well, it's not come and see trying to, come and see trying to say something trying to say something but it, I, it's, it's very deliberately out of focus no, uh, Gene Dealman this is like a total okay, Gene Dealman right. thing where Gene Dealman has it just it's gonna go it's doing what it's doing like it needs you to which is it needs you to one be open to like what it's what it has to say or what it's trying to say which I wasn't when I saw it <laughs> well that I, I don't even, and so that's I kind of st- I kind of paused there because I didn't really want to say that um you just have to want to watch that you know what I mean you have to want to do it and we're going to talk about this when we talk about um our our rock and roll like episode in a couple of weeks we're going to do our uh, top 5 records of the year because why the fuck not um are, are we are yeah okay, okay i can do that we briefly discussed that which means we're gonna do it um i have to tell jp that we're gonna do that um i'm telling him right now jp <laughs> <laughs> get your top five records together um a lot of the stuff on my list is you just have to want to do it 
and if you don't want to do it, then you know you don't want to. Then you don't want to do it, and that's fine. Not everyone wants to listen to a woman vibrate a cello for an hour and a half. I do, but like, that's just me. You know, that's that's just what I'm into. It's like these a days. Claire Rossi album. No, it's um this uh, Australian woman named Judith Haman who uh, just vi- it's a vibrates a cello, and she does stuff to it, and it's this just fantastically evocative sound that you can just fucking see shit and i don't know it's meditative and but also really angry because a vibrating cello is not like a like a great sound um but that's and and that's but don't you want more of this stuff like aren't you so i mean we're gonna have it we're gonna do another episode we're gonna record another episode in like right after we finish this and we're gonna post this one first and post this aren't you just fucking sick of some of the stuff that we have to watch for this podcast like I'm just so, like some of yeah, the stuff was, is like I'm just was, enough. That's I was, enough. I was excited that the films we'll talk about in the next episode. I think all of them are different from one another, which but, is nice. I mean, one of them is two of them are doing the exact same thing that we've seen from in the past, right? But they're one of them, the M one, is trying to like slightly do something little, little slightly yeah, different yeah, yeah. as much as it can. So yeah, I agree. Um, I just I, I'm, like, I'm tired. Of, I'm, I'm going to be fair. I, I'm tired of watching movies that kind of. I don't want to sound. This is and this is not a criticism of those movies at all. But like, of of your major like mainstream films that kind of release in a certain part of the year. I'm kind of tired of those. Yeah. It's not a criticism of those movies because I think no no no. It's movies just a criticism exist, of your, it's almost like criticism, a criticism of yourself. Like, it's not even a criticism of myself. It's a criticism of like what I want. I watch those movies because it just feels like I should, mm-hmm. but I don't respond to them i'm not gonna like shit on them unless they really do poorly like free guy perfectly fine movie well done yeah, free guy is free guy free guy's like but it's bad but it's like it set out to do what it was trying to do which is be bad you know what i'm trying to i'm say spoiling that, like, one of my choices for worst movie of the year. oh interesting um but for me i'm just like it's just not for me and yeah i i I kind of want more more of this, but at the same time, like I don't necessarily want to feel that level of discomfort. I guess I don't want to have more of it. I don't want to watch this movie all the time. But I want. But I'm glad. Challenge. It's re- exactly. It's refreshing to go to a movie and not just kind of sit there and let it just like Bombard punch you in the you face. Stuff. And it, to be actively engaged with like a film in a theater with people or at home, whatever is. Um, a real pleasure, um, like a super pleasure, and seems like amazingly rare these days. Like it's it's kind of I would almost compare it oddly enough, and it, well, it's just the first movie that popped in my head uh, is Sister Brothers. Um, Who would love that movie? It, but in the fact, like this movie's challenging in some ways, like your patience, depending on how you approach it. And Sister Brothers is kind of like challenging the way in which you kind of expect a narrative structure to go. Because it kind of has mm. like this really discordant kind of like third act where you kind of like things settle down for a second. When you get Jake Gyllenhaal and... Um, Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed kind of like sitting there and they're kind of prospecting and then stuff like takes back off. Right. Like stuff is rising. Settles, but it takes back off. Back, and it, it, takes it takes off, back off in, a, in a way... In that, a different direction. In a different direction than like a Western movie is supposed to go. Yeah, Western exactly. movies are not supposed to end like Sisters Brothers ends. And that's a great example because in Sisters Brothers 2 is um it's uh, Jacques Audiard is not is is a, is a is a master and he's doing really interesting things on camera but he's not like throwing it like just shoving it down your throat. You know what I mean? Like he keeps the camera relatively um Neutral. modest and Neutral. you know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Um but it feels like but he's doing stuff because he's right. doing stuff narratively. Right. That is making you think there's much more animation and fluidity. That's an interesting reference. That's an interesting reference. I love that movie. That movie. Well, it's, just, it's literally just a second popped in my brain. That's, like, what am I going to compare it to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that was one of those movies that would have been on. Richard Brody just punched a wall. Well, I should have compared it to Sister Brothers. <laughs> I didn't. Did he review Memoria? I, I didn't I, read I, his review of it. I, 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 I um, didn't read it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Yeah, I, I we didn't actually spoil a lot. To be fair, like we spoiled like the kind of twist. There's aliens, yeah, but like what we said isn't going to change anything about it. There's and there's so much more to say about this film. It's almost interesting to come back in a year and look at this movie from like what we remember of it because mm. we probably won't 
It probably won't have come to New Haven by that point. Right. Because I think that's a big part of it. It's kind of this, like, sensory, like, what you take from it and, like, what you carry from it mm. for, for, like, the long term. Yeah. Well, it, I, mean, it, I, don't, I guess we could speak, we could speak yeah. really quickly before we finish. Like, can we, we could speak on this this choice that they've made to, like, release it in one theater. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there, that's, that, there's an intentionality behind that. Like, one, the gimmick is fun, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't selling that well in Chicago, though. I, was, I looked at the seating. It wasn't selling extremely I well. I doubt Neon really gives a shit. There will no, always it's, it's, be a theater cost, somewhere. This movie costs, like, probably $500,000 to make, and it's already made, like, $500,000. Right. So it's gonna, there's always going to be a theater that it, they can put it. Yeah. Somewhere is going to want it. It's not a big deal. This movie will make more money doing what it's doing than it would have made being released in 600 theaters. Is it showing on film or is it a digital print of the I, I don't film? know how it's I don't know if it is released either. Yeah. Because that'll I, limit, I guess, where I it think plays. It's got to be digital. If it's an AMC, it, has, it, it has can't to be. be it has to be digital because like, we didn't see any screen, like screen tears or cigarette burn. We, we would have seen imperfections in it, Suppose but there, so, was, yeah. there was none. Yeah. So, yeah, that had to, it has to be a digital print. So, yeah, then it can play wherever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's an intriguing choice. I don't necessarily know if that adds to it. I think demanding the theatrical experience is is the correct way of doing it. I think it like is. I think having released it maybe limited in multiple theaters, maybe not on like an extreme amount of theaters at once might mm-hmm. have been okay. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think it I think it adds a lot. I mean, I'm I don't know how you. I think we're kind of the same. We just doing it for different stuff. It, records. Because I used to do this shit with records where we'd hunt down records across state lines. Like, we'd go to record stores in New York, in New Jersey, in Massachusetts, mm. specifically looking for like video like games one for record. Mm. Um, or movies, like when I was a kid and trying to find, like, the new movie. Sure, that but that, exactly. And, like, it was even... At the Blockbuster. And even for me now, like, me me and my wife were talking about... Um, she was like, well, we went to the Jacob Burns Center once because we were talking about... Uh, we got a gift certificate for um, somebody for Christmas for there. Um and she's like, "What did we see there?" And I was like, "Oh, we saw half the we saw half the first movie we saw there was Half Nelson, the Ryan Gosling movie where Ryan Gosling like all of a sudden became like a thing, um, and because it was the only place you could see Half Nelson. So and I I've seen um uh, that Nick Cave movie um, one more time with feeling there as well, um, and that kind of like very limited. Um, exclusive engagement like you have to travel to see it it's like you're making a point to see a film um, does carry uh, I don't know carries there's like a mystical quality to it I'm and I lean that way so that's easy for me to say because mm. like lots of stuff has a miss books that I can't get anywhere you know that I've just kind of found or whatever or just like they have this here I mean, it's, like that's that really works it is a resurgence of like that seeking out like we yeah. talked about and like the the discomfort not discomfort we talked about like how we miss that like miss seeking stuff out and this mm-hmm. is kind of reinforcing that right like does it bum me out a little bit no it's good that licorice pizza is playing at north haven does it was kind of like when i saw blaze you know what I mean? Or like going to see stuff in Bethel. Um, like driving 45 minutes just to see High Life because like it wasn't playing. Because even Criterion sucks sometimes. And like it played it for a week and it was just like, well, this is it. Um, you know, or catching, you know, these, and these are dumb movies. But like, you know, I remember seeing, one of the reasons I remember seeing Vox Lux is not because I had to go, I had to travel to see it. was just playing New Haven. It was playing for a week. He was in the screening room, like there was nobody there. It was just me and another motherfucker sitting right next to me, who I didn't know. This is not a story about me and Mario going to see Vox Lux. It's about <laughs> me being alone in the theater while the movie starts, and then in the back of the screening room, which only has like four rows, and then some fucking asshole just coming and sitting right next to me. That's what that's about. But those, so that's a, and that's I think part of this. That's maybe I think what he's saying here ultimately, and maybe he doesn't mean to say this, but I think that's part of it, is that like there is a sensory, all those things are sensory experience. All those things are memories that you're going to take with you that add to remembering that movie. I didn't like respond like super hard to Vox Lux, but I remember a lot of that movie because like it seemed really significant when we when I saw it. We didn't see that. No, we didn't see no, that. Right. We but we did it. 
I think like we did the podcast right after I saw it, I think. Or right yeah. after you saw it. It was right after you right saw it. Right after I saw it. And then we went I to saw get, it first. And then we went to get beers, I think. I think we went to get beers somewhere, and then we came back into the episode. Something like that, yeah. I think so. Yeah. We're remembering our podcast episodes. Much like this film commands you remember it. I think so. And, it's in, and memory is contained in, in objects. Yeah, in a hard drive, not in an antenna. Yeah, we have a guy, we have a guy sitting right here. <laughs> oh my God, it's our hard drive. I've plugged all the mics into him. <laughs> he is uncomfortable. Just a real existence kind of moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess um, it'd be more uh, video drone. Either one. Talk about Cronenberg. Yeah. A little bit. You can tweet us at Film Pivotal. You can email us at pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail dot com. You can see a list of our movies at Pivotal Film. Podcast.com, pivotalfilm.com, pivotalfilmpodcast.com, pivotalfilmpodcast.com. Or no, pivotalfilm.com? Yeah. At pivotalfilm.com. Yay! Alright, we'll see you soon. I'm just running it down. <laughs>